Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bay Area Regional Medical Hour. Happy May. Can you believe it's May? Ah, <laughs> I'm so excited. And we have Keels and Wheels this weekend, which I'm super excited to talk about with Jim Sweeney. Uh, he is a big part of Keels and Wheels. So we're going to talk a little bit about that event this weekend, what, yep. what, what all that's about. Um, we're also today going to talk to Dr. Yermata about allergies and sinus infections because I've been dealing with it. You've probably been dealing with it. Have you been dealing with it, Stacey, too? No, no? not at all. You're just lucky. I'm perfect. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> what about you, Jim? No, sorry. No. Oh, my God. I'm the only one? What's up with that? Don't do it. There are a lot of friends no. in Houston dealing no. with okay. that. Okay. So. I know. I do. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that are posting all over the place. Oh, my God. I'm so miserable right now. So uh, we have a lot of people who posted a lot of questions for you. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty of when do you need what medicine when do you need it all how often all that jazz and then we're going to talk to stacy we actually just we just found out like today 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 oh that's so exciting that we are not in pursuit of level three trauma anymore because we are a level three awesome. trauma designated hospital happy dance happy dance that's so exciting <laughs> so we're going to talk a, a little bit about that and we're going to talk about how to keep your kids safe around the water it kind of ties in with keels and wheels a little bit too uh, everybody's going to start getting in pool parties and yep. getting out on the boats in the water. So what can we do as parents to make sure that our kids and our families are safe around the water in our backyard, at home, and out on the water? So, all right, y'all ready to get started? Sure. Okay, we're going to start off with Jim and talk about Keels and Wheels. What is this big event, Keels and Wheels? What does it mean? Well, Keels and Wheels is a classic car and classic wooden boat show. We call it a concourse. Uh, that's held at Lakewood Yacht Club in Seabrook every year, usually the first weekend of May. We've been doing it for 23 years. Wow, that's and a long time. I didn't realize it was that long. Long time, 23 years. Oh. And uh, we raise money for charity. Uh, our proceeds go to uh, charity every year. We've given about $1.7 million to various local charities. Wow. Awesome. Uh, so this year's event, what does a, what charity does it go to? This year we're back with the t Today's Harbor for Children. <coughs> Used to be Boys and Girls Harbor. They just had a name change to Today's Harbor for Children. They're a residential facility in the Laporte area for kids who have been abused or abandoned or who uh, may be in CPS care. And mm -hmm. they're a, sort of a residential facility. They go to school there. They have house parents. It's kind of a family environment. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so how many kids are a part of that organization? I think, uh, any... I think there are about 80 kids living there at any one Wow, time. that's a lot. But they do help other kids. I, I understand now CPS uh, sends some other kids to them that they help to you know, find homes. And What's the age terrific. group or age range? Do you know? No, I don't know that. Sorry. Okay. But I know, but I know <laughs> that there are kids who go all the way through high school there. And then, because uh, I know a couple of them who have come back and uh, actually, I just met one. He's an international vice president with a petroleum company. Wow, uh, that's awesome. Amazing kind of a start that they give these kids. And he's come back now. He's a volunteer uh, for, for them. So That is awesome. amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. That I remember hearing them talk about it last year, and it was just such an, like an awe-inspiring moment to hear the passion that they have with the kids and how it would have an impact. Like some of these, I remember they were talking about how one of the kids had never had a birthday party before. And so they had a birthday party. I mean, could you imagine you're one of your kids not having a birthday party or being celebrated? Like, oh, that's a little gut wrenching. So um, they just things like that to help them 
along the way too, which is re- which is really awesome. We're pleased to help out as we can. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about. So where is yeah. Lakewood Yacht Club? All right. So Lakewood Yacht Club is uh, near the intersection of Highway 146 and NASA Parkway, and uh, it is a private club, but. Uh, it is open to the public just this weekend for Keels and Wheels, so it's your opportunity to get into a private yacht club and see the environment, see the cars and boats uh, out on the lawn and in the harbor, and uh, uh, bring your kids. It's a family event. It is so much. So, what are there? What there's kids events too that you, that happen, right? Yeah, this year, uh, well, we've got the face painter and balloons and stuff, and okay. but every year we have our kids build a boat. So this is where kids get, of any age get to help. My grandchildren have been doing this since they were one or two years old. Get to help screw in a screw or paint a side of a boat. And then for doing that, they get their name into a drawing to, to win the boat. They give the way, they give the boat away. It's a little, that is it's a little so cool. 10-foot wooden boat. It's kind of cool. And then this year, we're also the um, uh, we're doing a, a couple other things. Uh, uh, and I just lost my train of thought. It was, it's uh, okay. Uh, so, uh, soapbox so Derby. Kids. Soapbox Derby Ooh. is going to be there this year. They're setting up a little photo opportunity for the kids. <laughs> kind of a fake sort of a soapbox derby hill with a, with a derby racer. You can get your picture taken. Oh, in the my racer. gosh. That's that is so cute. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. So what are the hours? It's Saturday and Sunday, right? Right. Saturday, uh, Saturday 10 to 4, 10 to 5, excuse me, and Sunday 9 to 4. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. So what, what kind of, uh, cars do, I mean, like every year I think I find a different car that I've not seen before. What, explain the types of cars and then explain the types of boats that people would see whenever they come. This is a, this is a really unique opportunity. It's different from a, you know, what you might see a parking lot car show where you have all the kind of muscle cars and stuff and their Corvettes with their hoods raised. This is an opportunity to see some really classic automobiles from the 1900s and 1920s and 1930s uh we're going to have a ferrari that was owned by henry ford there oh was uh, it wasn't there last year was it was it? not there it was okay. 19, 19, i think it's a 1952 ferrari and a ford motor company purchased it for henry ford and uh, just a quick story he was talking to the goodyear guy and mr goodyear about it <laughs> showed him his car and he said you need white walls on that car so they made custom white walls for that for that Ferrari, that was pretty cool. Wow! So a lot of the store, a lot of the cars have backstories uh, to them. Yeah. Uh, we've had the Batmobile. Last year we had the Batmobile. I remember that. Right? That yeah. was so cool. I took lots of pictures of that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speed Racer car, I think, was there too. Yeah. But we also have some newer cars. We have uh, the Ford GT cars. If uh, some of the car guys are familiar with that, and we have uh, some of the supercars out. We have some Lamborghinis and uh, Ferraris and. There was a Bentley there last year. A lot of Bentleys, a lot of historic Bentleys, old Bentleys, um, uh, a lot of Stutzes. One year we had a Stutz Bearcat. uh, I forget what movie it was in, but it's a yellow Stutz Bearcat. It's kind of got leather and metal, and it's got a machine gun mounted to it and running boards with the guys. It was pretty pretty cool. So we we got a lot of neat cars as well. But we're having about 208 cars there this year. So this is also an opportunity if you're in the market to check out some too, because last year I had my eye on a little Volvo <laughs> SUV and I was like, that's the one I want right now. Yeah. And I didn't convince didn't my husband to get it that day, but you know, yeah. Hey, <laughs> so yeah. there were Teslas there too. That, I yeah. mean, there were such cool cars there. Yeah. We get some of the newer cars. Some of the car dealerships are sponsors. Uh, we usually have a couple of Bentleys and, uh, uh, we had a, uh, I think we had a Vantage there. We had uh, McLaren there one year. Tesla, awesome. Tesla was last year. Um, this year, our we have a raffle car. Our raffle car is a Lincoln MKC. Uh, awesome. That, that'll be out there. And uh, uh, we usually have a Mercedes or a BMW dealership represented also. So we have some newer cars, but um, the event really is to celebrate the car, the historical cars and boats that 
that uh, that were that made this country what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to yeah. try your hands on, or it's more like a, just a show. No, it's a, it's a, it's a show. So uh, some of the car owners are good about letting you, you know, maybe a, one or two kids sit in the car, but usually it's a hands off. Yeah. You know, take your pictures. Don't touch. Yeah. Some of these some of these cars are valued at million yeah. a million dollars or more, as you can imagine. And yeah. uh, they 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 have whole teams that just take care of them. Yeah. They they trailer yes. them in from around the country. Yeah. Uh, they come from museums. A lot of them. Okay. Okay. So, so if someone yeah. wants to come, are there tickets? They need to get tickets. Yeah. We we do sell at the gate, of course, uh, uh, but. But discounted tickets are available online at keels-wheels.com for $30. And children 10 and under are always free. Awesome. Right. And there's food and drinks there for people to purchase? Yeah, we'll have food and drinks to purchase. Uh, this year, I think Sudi's Catfish is out there. Uh, going to be out at the Wine and Beer Garden. So we've set up a Wine and Beer Garden and Sudi's Catfish and uh, some uh, vendor tents. And you'll be able to do a little bit of shopping. And there's usually some artwork out there. And plus our sponsor, our sponsors are like Bay Area Regional will be out there in force. Yeah, well. so if you want to yeah. come out and see yours truly, we'll be yeah. out there all day, both days, for the hospital, uh, talking about all the things that we uh, we do at the hospital as well. So you guys, if you're watching or listening today and you guys want to come out to Keels and Wheels, be sure to come to the Bay Area tent and say, hey, I listened to you on Bay Area Regional Medical Hour. Yes. yes. And we'll give a high five and everything. It'll be so much fun. So I'd be remiss, too, if I didn't mention the boats. We're going to have about 80 classic typically wooden boats out there from we may have a 1940s uh, lake cruiser or we have cabin cruisers we have larger boats we have this 1960s era ski boats we have a few fiberglass boats that are all decked out like with their skis and little picnic baskets and stuff in them so a lot of those are in the water some of them are in trailers uh, around the perimeter uh, it's a great, and there's a lot of concrete, there's a lot of driveways, so, so even if, it, there's a lot of walking area, so for kids with strollers, mm -hmm. uh, that's why I said we're kid-friendly, so everything's not on the grass, we have a lot that's on the concrete. Okay. That you yeah. can go uh, yeah. Where's parking? Uh, parking, uh, there is no on-site parking, so there will be signs on NASA Parkway, uh, right there near the Endeavor Marina, uh, we have a uh, shuttle uh, going from there, and then on 146, I think it's the elementary school, but there'll be signs all set up along NASA Road 1 and 146 to direct you to parking, and we'll have shuttle vans carrying you over to the show. Yeah. Cool. All right. Anything yeah. else you want to talk about at Keels and Wheels before we go to break? Uh, no, just make sure that you uh, get your discount tickets online and uh, bring your appetite and bring your kids. It's really a family family event. It is fun. Yeah. And uh, it is. last year it was gorgeous. So if you do bring kids and you're planning on being out there for a while, make sure you lather up with some sunscreen. Bring a hat and some sunglasses because it's it was gorgeous so i'm hoping that we'll have some gorgeous weather again this year for sure yeah here's hoping i'm your host abby lee and we have dr yermada here today we're about to start our couple of segments on allergies and sinus infections because if you can hear from my voice and you listen very often i've been dealing with it and i know a lot of other people have Minus you, Stacy. Minus me. Yeah, well, fine. You're just lucky. <laughs> uh, and once we're done, once we're done talking about allergies and sinuses, and we're going to talk about how to keep your kids safe around the water this summer. So lots of interesting topics. And I posted on Facebook, and I got a ton of response. So we're going to try to get through as many of these questions as possible. And if you're watching online right now on Facebook, if you have questions, we will try to get to those. So post them below. Um, we'll give you a little shout out too. All right, so. You ready, Dr. Yermata? Yes, okay. yes, actually, yeah, it's a pretty bad season and it's a good topic to talk, yes. It is, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And the oak trees, I know whenever they say tree pollen is high, 
my allergies are insane. So how can, so this is one of the questions somebody posted, how can a person prevent sinus infections when you're prone to allergies? Yeah, so basically, you know, for any disease, right? So there are a lot of uh, preventive factors that we need to know why we are getting the allergies. So um, a lot of times it's hard to find a reason, but most of the people, because they face it for pretty much entire their life, you know, they know what they're allergic to and they have to avoid the triggering factor. And then, you know, uh, suppose the spring season is very bad for the pollens and everything. And mm -hmm. then the summer is bad for, you know, the grass. And then again, the fall, we see a lot of, you know, the weed and then the mold and all the stuff going mm -hmm. around. So try to minimize your exposure to outdoors. Don't go outside I mean, at all. You can go out, but <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, you know, the basic techniques, like, you know, make sure you close your car windows and then, you know, turn on the AC, you know, don't expose to yourself, you know, especially the bad weather going on. And then try to, if you really, if you know, like if you're working in your backyard, put a mask on it and that kind of helps you to cut down some of the risk factors too. So, and then of course, you know, if you're, there are like, you know, a couple of types of allergies that we usually do seasonal and then the perianal. So seasonal is the one when you know the spring is going to be bad for you, you can start some measures like, you know, taking some allergy medicine, you know, one, two weeks before the season that kind of, you know, cut down a lot of, you know, symptoms and everything. Yeah. Okay, so does having allergies, at what point does it turn into a sinus infection? What are the signs and symptoms of all right, this is turning into something a little bit more and you need more to go than, see yeah, the doctor. Yeah, so that, that's a very good question. So because this is where, you know, especially as a physician, we get a lot of patients, you know, coming in and asking for antibiotics for every symptom. Um, but to be honest, you know, there are very, uh, like not even 10% of chance of it could be a bacterial infection in the first week or 10 days. So uh, when you start having your stuffy nose, sneezing and runny nose, and then, you know, a little bit of nasal drainage, and then the like sore throat, and they all could be just simply allergies. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in first uh, five to seven days, and then you expose to that. And then once you start taking your antihistamines or regular allergy medicine, your symptoms will be able to calm down. But if it drags more than 10 days, then we have to make sure it's not an infection because most of the time we see the viral infections and bacterial infection overlap with the allergies. Mm -hmm. So if it drags more than 10 days, then it's always you have to bring it to your physician attention and then make sure it's not you know, getting worse. Mm -hmm. And then if it is a viral infection, again, you know, again, basically it's a symptomatic treatment, but if it turns into bacterial infection where you start having more um, uh, like, you know, copious discharge or more severe throat pain or fevers associated, or sometimes we also see patients when their sinuses are so full, they get like this teeth pain bothering them mm -hmm. very often, or around the eyes, they feel the severe pain that all could be bacterial infection. So at that point, after 10 days, you probably need some antibiotics. So I usually, no, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but usually in my family, we're like, all right, when you have yellow phlegm that you're blowing out nonstop, it's time to go see that, the doctor. That's not very true because, uh, you know, that's one of the common viral infection symptoms. Uh, if it is a bacterial infection, a lot of time we don't see a lot of nasal symptoms, actually. It's more in the throat or, you know, it's more. Uh, but again, as I said, you know, if it drags more than 10 to 12 days and then your pain is really, you know, bothering and then you have other associated uh, like fevers and all that, then yes, you need to worry about the um, bacterial infection and you need antibiotic. But why Viral can do the same yellowish thick discharge, uh, mm. but it's depending on the duration and then the severity of the symptoms. So we should be able to, you know, uh, differentiate it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how can a person reduce allergy symptoms? So mainly, yeah, as I said, stay earlier, out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Try to try to avoid. The so do you triggering. tell people like Allegra and Zyrtec, or do you tell them so, to use like a nose spray? 
Yeah, so basically, you know, the allergy means like, you know, some people when you breathe the same air, you're normal, you don't have any symptom. But, you know, some people when they breathe in, the allergen causes the immune reaction and then their body starts responding, treating it as a foreign body and then, you know, release these uh, histamines and then everything. And then you get all these symptoms, right? So um, once you start having symptoms, you can take antihistamines, which kind of usually works very good. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, a lot of times we see, um, you know, there are like some uh, precautions where uh, if you take like, you know, um, like Singulair or Manchulukas, they kind of preventative purpose, it helps. But once you start having your symptom, then you can usually use the antihistamines or decongestants or, you know, steroid inhalers. Sometimes they kind of calm it down a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see, we kind of already answered that one. Okay, so how can a person reduce headaches due to allergies, sinus pressure? Yes, yeah, so that's a, that's a very common symptom. If it's a little bit severe degree of the sinuses, once the fluid build up in the sinus, especially the maxillary sinuses, they start feeling this heaviness and then the headache and then, you know, the common symptom when they bend down, they feel really dizzy yeah. uh, and then severe pressure. So usually the saline rinses helps a lot, you know, children. My are husband yeah. is all about that. Yeah. The, he doesn't use the a neti, neti pot, but it's like the one that you squirt in your, in yeah, your nose. Either that or the neti pot is also equally good. Uh, so it's based on your convenience, you can uh, pick and choose to start with actually. And then, uh, um, you know, if it's still not helping much, uh, then you can go to the antihistamines and the decongestant. But, you know, some people initially, they start seeing these, you know, advertisements on the TV, like Flonase and the Nasonix and all that. But when your nose is really stuffy, if you try to use them, they don't really get absorbed into the, you know, the mucosa. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure you clear it properly and then, you know, use it in the right way. And that kind of, you know, helped you to symptoms. It too. is so not a glamorous thing to do, but it works so <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I do it, I hate doing that. The needle rinse or whatever, that we have like the squirt one. Yeah. God, I hate doing that, yeah, but it not, works, not, right? It works, yeah. It works. It works, yeah. Okay, um, this is from someone. So why don't you be a little bit more specific? When are antibiotics warranted based, what's based on symptoms? Yeah, so we usually like, you know, um, wait for at least seven to 10 days. Um, of course, if symptoms are really severe or the person is immunocompromised, then you might need to jump onto the antibiotics mm -hmm. in the first couple of days. But if it is a normal healthy person, then, you know, it's, uh, especially the known seasons like, you know, spring or fall, then we usually encourage them to try the over-the-counter medication. And then if it's still bothering them, you know, five to seven days, if it's still no relief, and if symptoms are getting worse, then we usually, you know, push on the antibiotics. Mm -hmm. But if the symptoms are stable, and then if it doesn't look like it's getting worse, and then we usually, you know, if the patient is a good patient, they listen to us. So we can wait for one more week and then, you know, go from there, yeah. Okay, uh, sinus rinse, we just talked about that. Is it safe for children? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Okay, so talk about homeopathic versus antibiotics to treat a sinus infection. Yeah, so um, as as long as we know where to draw the line between the antibiotics and then the over-the-counter medication, um, I think a lot of people will be able to find the right solution because sometimes I see the patients, it's been going on for seven days, but they don't take anything. They're just not even antihistamine, oh and then they think only the antibiotic is a solution. So that's kind of, you know, a lot of people are aware of it, but still some people miss that point. And then, you know, mm -hmm. especially some of the men, they think their body will take care of it, and they wait and wait and wait, and then they end up here. 
year. Mm-hmm. So, but usually, you know, I think when you know you're going to have these seasonal allergies, you know, every year around, then you're, you should be prepared for that. And mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, yes, you can, um, you can use the homeopathic stuff, uh, like, you know, these, um, Especially, they're kind of acts like, um, you know, uh, decongestant, like, you know, eucalyptus oil and all this mm-hmm. because of the smell. Um, just like the Vicks Vaporobin, they all does the same thing. They are like decongestant. So they help with a mild degree of symptoms. But if it is, you know, more than mild, you know, moderate to severe, then you probably need to get some antihistamines. Yeah. Okay. So this is another question that somebody else posted. Does going from a humid outside to a cold car or building irritate your allergies? I guess this is more of like a weather question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a very good question. And then, you know, I mean, we blame weather for everything, right? Including the <laughs> allergies know. and the joint pains and then, you know, you name it, everything goes, yeah. with, goes around the allergies. So basically, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. When we talk about, you know, the uh, seasonal change or weather change, uh, usually, uh, you know, we we look into two aspects. One is the um, allergic rhinitis, and then the other one is non-allergic rhinitis. So the allergic rhinitis is the one we discussed earlier with the pollens, and then mm-hmm. you know all these symptoms can cause allergic rhinitis. But non-allergic rhinitis is the one where you exposed to extreme weather, from humid weather to cold weather, and then you know or you know hot weather to cold weather. So when you're doing this transition, then your body kind of reacts. It's not like a allergy reaction but basically it didn't get enough time to adapt to that weather and mm-hmm. then you know suppose if you take an asthma patient if you put him in a cold room he start really having shortness of breath because all the cold air getting into the body is not getting enough time to warm up and then you know open up the lungs so that triggers more symptoms mm-hmm. so same thing if you give that patient to an antihistamine or claritin zetic it doesn't work on them because it's not allergy rhinitis it's non-allergic rhinitis so we usually tell them to do more like a saline washes again and then yeah. also um, sometimes the steroid spray the nasal spray that kind of relieves that but antihistamine they don't work and then hmm. and if we know what is triggering it exactly we can find the right you know uh, solution for that yeah. awesome all right so we have a question on facebook and then we're going to go to break okay sure. how long should you take d allegra or claritin allegra d or claritin d yeah so so basically claritin is the antihistamine and the d is the decongestant mm-hmm. so so that's a combination usually a little more effective than just the plain claritin so usually um there is no time limit on it only common side effects some people feel a little bit drowsiness or some people uh, kind of uh, you know rebound effect you know with the, when you take long term so usually it depends on you know how long your symptoms are if they're really minor symptoms you know which you go through every year then probably you should be taking that every season but you know if you know it's only like you know severe allergy this spring and it's been 10 days and no improvement then you probably need to consult your doctor and then mm-hmm. make sure they're doing the right thing yeah okay that's a that's awesome all right so how you really use nasal sprays and some people uh, if you're gonna, you're gonna have to really try to explain it for the radio people. So if somebody's watching online, you can show up. You're gonna have to really explain it for the radio. Okay. 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 So tell, talk us through how you really use a nasal spray. Sure. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's one of the very common mistake a lot of people do. So always make sure your nasal passage is clear, and then make sure you you know clean thoroughly before you're doing it, and uh, fix your chin down a little bit and put the nasal spray in the nostril and then make sure you don't face it towards the nasal septum, face it towards the side of the nose. And then you can just do one, uh, one puff and then just do a little bit 
sneezing don't do too strong because it goes into the throat again which is not going to be effective so just do a little bit sniffing and then that kind of stays around that area so if you sneeze. taste it you do it wrong if you taste you <laughs> might taste a little bit you might taste a little bit but which is going to be useless you know when it goes into the throat it has to stay around the nose okay and then stay there for a few seconds and then that should be helped to absorb so should you blow your nose after that or no no just a sniffing and then just wait Leave for a few alone. minutes and then yeah it should clear yeah okay yeah. all right so there, um, there's, so Jackie was talking about how she's been to the doctor several times. She's going again. She hasn't had any relief. Um, how, she says she knows that she needs to boost her immune system, but how can she get a hold of it before it's too late or stay on top of it? Yeah, so, um, hey, Jackie, so so usually, you know, by this time, you know, we're all adults, we know we've been going through these allergies for so many years, so we kind of know what season is going to be a bad season for us, so we just need to be prepared a little ahead. Uh, so just, you know, try to take your regular antihistamines, like, you know, one, two weeks before the season starts, and uh, also try to find out, like, you know, what is uh, triggering the allergies, so try to avoid those, you know, triggering factors, so that can minimize it. But if it's happening every year so often, I would definitely recommend you to see an allergy immunologist and then they can do further testing and then see what you're actually allergic to it and then that way it might be a little more help for you. And then of course if you have bad allergies, they can also recommend the allergy shots and then all that, yeah. So at what point do you talk to someone, you have a patient that's coming in all the time or yeah. at what point yeah. do you say, I think it's time to go to an allergist and talk about allergy shots? Yeah, so, uh, so if it's happening too often and then the second thing is, you know, once we, uh, you know, exa uh, exhausted with all the options that we have over the counter, that includes, uh, you know, steroids and everything, and then if he's still suffering through these allergies and then causing, you know, a lot of loss of work and then other, other issues, uh, which is going to be really, you know, a bad thing to deal with it every day in the, you know, throughout the year. So um, I usually recommend them, you know, once we try all the options, if nothing is working, then we have to go and see the allergy immunologist. Mm -hmm. And there are some blood tests also recently, you know, which can uh, detect common allergies like, you know, the, uh, the pollen and the weed and then all the stuff. So which might be a little bit helpful because some people hate the allergy shots and all that mm -hmm. um, so I think um, you know if it's happening to if it's getting too much then I think that's the point you need to you know see the specialist yeah okay so here's a question from Ryan he takes a medication that lowers his immune system he has to take it uh, and the doctor says he can't take allergy shots with that medication what is there anything else that he could do uh, so yeah, so you, uh, that, that's unfortunate situation. You know, a lot of people uh, go through that. Um, you know, I think uh, definitely he's not a candidate for an allergy shot because that can cause worse reactions. Um, but I think the only option he has is uh, trying these um, antihistamines or you know the singular you know more preventative measures, mm -hmm. and then you know I think uh, symptomatic relief basically. Don't go outside and again. Yeah, they're trying to <laughs> avoid the triggering factor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, here's a question from Debbie. With having sinus infections all the time, she's taking allergy shots twice a week, and she's still having sinus issues. She said she started losing hearing in both of her ears. She has tubes in both ears. Should she see an ENT now? Is there a certain type of ENT that she should see? So the, the general ENT is good uh, if it's having uh, if she's having recurrent sinusitis or you know the upper respiratory you know symptoms with the because the throat is connected with the ears so they always can affect the whole uh, airway. So um, if it's happening so often, I think I would recommend to see an ENT doctor because sometimes you know if the sinuses is so often, then sometimes there is a sinus surgery, rhinoplasty, and then that kind of helps with the uh, the sinoplasty with help with the symptoms. So I think you know probably she can go in that direction and then 
and see if she's a candidate for any of those, you know, uh, for the revolution. Yeah. All right, there you yeah. go, Debbie. I would go see an ENT. Okay, so you're talking a little bit about pink eye and allergies too. They go hand in hand? <laughs> They do actually, you know, okay. they do go because a lot of times um, allergy, the common area that we see involved is the nose and then also eyes and then of course the upper respiratory, you know, the throat and all that. So, um, uh, you know, and then they're like, you know, the pink eye is very common problem and then uh, a lot of people think it's a bacterial infection, you know, they have to have some antibiotics, but it's not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, you know, the common reason is the allergies. So the allergies, the how you differentiate the allergies versus the viral infection versus the bacterial infection. Mm-hmm. So usually the allergies are, you know, most of the time it involves both eyes and then also you do have the redness mm-hmm. and also the eyes are very itchy and watery. Mm-hmm. So that's the common symptom uh, we see. And then, of course, some people might have, you know, if it drags more than four or five days, they might have some discharge. And with the viral infection, usually we see one eye, and it's very contagious, and then you might have a clue that you might have some exposed to someone who has a pink eye. And then, um, you know, you may not have much itching, but you do have a little bit swollen eyes and then also a little bit sticky discharge. Um, but usually the allergy and then the viral infection, they kind of resolve on its own five to seven days uh, normal. Um, and then, you know, for the allergies, you need to take, again, the allergy medicine that kind of helps it to calm down. But if it turns out, like, in you know, a bacterial infection, usually you see one eye and then also, you know, it can be a lot of pussy, sticky discharge, your eyelashes are all stick together. Mm-hmm. So that kind of one of the common symptoms. And then a little bit painful, but no itching at all. And then... Um, so those are the main common differentiated things we had to make sure. And, you know, common, a lot of times we see, you know, the sinus infection or the, the rhinitis is sometimes can be viral infection. So sometimes you, don't, you may not have any sores, but we can spread it ourselves to the eyes when you clean your nose and use the same eyes to rub on it, and then mm-hmm. it can cause the redness too. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, you know, we tend to blow very hard when you have stuffiness. Yeah. When you blow very hard, also the nasal passages are very close to the eye passages. The virus can spread to the eyes too. Oh. So, mm. so it's very, you know, a, a tricky situation. Sometimes, you know, we have to make sure hand hygiene and all that when you have right. those, you know, symptoms. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Any other allergy-related things before we talk about you as a doctor? Well, I think uh, mainly, you know, as I insist all the time, you know, try to find, you know, what is making your allergies worse and then try to avoid that. And then that kind of helps you with your allergy symptoms, mm-hmm. asthma symptoms, and then, you know, overall your, you know, daily activities, especially if you're living in Houston. Yes. Right. Okay, yes. cool. Yeah. So tell me about you. Why did you want to become a doctor? Well, yeah, that was my childhood dream, actually. You know, one of my uncle was a doctor, so I was in the middle school, you know, uh, I see a lot of patients, you know, coming, and then, you know, uh, he was helping so many people, you know, uh, when I was back in India. So mm-hmm. so that was a big impression on my mind, you know, without even knowing what it is. So yeah. it just uh, stick to my, you know, mind, and then since then I always want to be a doctor, yeah. So you're internal medicine and you're a hospitalist. Why, why did you choose that route? Yeah, so um, I think, uh, you know, I love what I'm doing. So basically, with the internal medicine, you get to explore basically the whole pathology of the diseases, and then, you know, you're not sticking yourself to one specialization. Mm -hmm. So that's the, you know, beautiful thing that I'm enjoying right now. And then the reason I want to... uh, do the outpatient and the inpatient because they both are very, uh, you know, diverse, uh, you know, disease population. And then I think uh, as a physician, um, you know, I have well-rounded experience. So I think uh, by doing both, I keep my skills, you know, um, in up to date. And then also, you know, I think uh, helping a patient in acute condition, you know, and then the office basis, both mm-hmm. are different satisfactions. So, 
Yeah. And so for those of you who don't know really what a hospitalist is, you're you're basically the doctor that you see when you go to the hospital. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So is there any other way you want to explain that? <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, you know, the the hospitalists are strictly, you know, um, you know, they're restricted to the hospital care, inpatient care. Uh, but my practice is more like a traditional practice where mm-hmm. I do the outpatient and then when my patient goes to the hospital, and I also get up. to see them. So which is like, you know, pretty much uh, 360 degree covering mm-hmm. because they know me in and out and then which was, you know, easy to, you know, uh, get along and then also understand the, you know, what's going on with the patient. So I think that's one of the important thing. A lot of my patients also like it. They don't mm-hmm. have to see somebody else, you know, when they go to the hospital. That's so awesome. I think, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, about your background and education. Where do you go to school? Sure, yeah. So um, basically, I'm from uh, South India. So I did my med school back in India. And then uh, I did my uh, training uh, in Chicago Mercy Hospital, one of the University of Chicago Affiliated Program. So and then after that, I was in uh, Washington University, St. Louis for one year. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, kind of uh, debating myself to go to um, oncology versus, you know, the primary care. And then, oh. uh, so then I know I really like the internal medicine more than anything, so then I had to move to Texas uh, you know, in 2012, actually. What, what brought you to Texas? Uh, well, I know uh, I've been here before. I did some research in medical center, so I had that, you know, um, like bonding with Houston. Yeah. So, um, and then I you think... You like uh, all the allergies? Uh, <laughs> 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 I, I don't, I don't, but, you know, I do have some family here, and then, you know, I think I like the medical community here, so mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, it's very diverse uh, community, and then, you know, I enjoy being here, yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here also. Yes. Why don't you share with us your uh, where your office is located and your contact information if someone wants to make an appointment with you? Sure, yeah. So uh, my name is uh, one of the unusual uh, Indian name is uh, Yaramada. It's a Y E R R A M A D H A and first initial M. So basically, I work on uh, Blossom Street, 560 Blossom Street, uh, Webster. And my office number is 832-905-6141. So uh, I take care of basically from, um, you know, uh, I think uh, from 14 years onwards to the, you know, the adults and then geriatric population too. So, and then I treat, uh, you know, pretty much chronic diseases and acute illnesses and everything. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on today. So uh, Stacy is our trauma program manager. So yeah. uh, super exciting news today. So we have to talk about that first, that we're now a level three trauma. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So what does that mean? Okay, so we got our level three um, trauma designation letter today. Hoorah. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had gotten the recommendation March the 13th, so we've just been waiting with bated breath for the actual designation. So we are capable of taking care of what you would consider level three trauma patients. And these are these patients that um, have a lot of ortho issues. We can also do a lot of um, internal medicine issues and things like that. So exciting stuff. We can stabilize all the patients in the world and just, and then if we have to move them on to something with a specialized care like pediatrics, if they have like multiple traumas, we can move them on to like TCH. Uh, right now we do have an orthopedist in the house, uh, Dr. Weinberg, who also does orthopedic surgery on children as well. So that's very exciting. Yes, that is super, super exciting. Okay, so, uh, so let's stay on the children aspect. So um, it's about time. I actually... We went to a pool party this past weekend and I was afraid the pool water was going to be way too cold, but it wasn't too cold. Our pool water is way too cold to get in though. Um, But it's now is the time to really start talking about how to be safe around water. Um, So I have some stats here that I want to read out. Among preventable injuries, drowning is a leading cause of death for children one to four years old. Children are children less than a year old are more likely to drown at home in the bathtub or a bucket. True. 
That is so, cr I was reading that and I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Okay, so let's talk about drowning and how do we prevent that? Okay. How do, do you have any tips? Well, I have lots of tips. I've, <laughs> I've, I've just dug up all kinds of inter information because we are like a water community around here. Oh yeah. I mean, we got Kima, we got Seabrook, we've got, he was just talking about keels and wheels. That's right on the water. So yeah. we have to really watch these children. Um, I read that 75 kids last year in 2017 drowned in Texas. 75 wow. of them. And I don't think that's counting that's the many. Hurricane Harvey victims. So that was really late um, getting that information. Uh, in Harris County last year, nine children drowned. And the mm -hmm. majority of them were in the backyard pools. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, they they age range was from 1 to 12. So okay. even 12-year-olds. Wow. Yes. That seems like old. Doesn't it? It does seem old. But, you know, actually there's a lot of adults that don't know how to swim. So I'm certain there's they come from being kids that don't yeah. know how to swim. So i got some tips for you if you're going to do around the house. You were just talking about children like drowning in bathtubs and in buckets and stuff. You kind of have to be your own lifeguard in your own home. So you got toddlers. They're little bitty guys. They got big giant heads. When they <laughs> fall into something, what? They yeah. fall head first. True. Very so, true. And they're unable to, like, get themselves out because the way they're physically built. So. Around the house, you want to keep your bathroom door closed, especially with these toddlers. Maybe even put a little latch on the toilet because they're oh, always that's a good idea. think about it. They're just kids don't care. They'll pull anything out of anywhere, yeah, stick it in their mouth. They don't know what they're doing. They just do no stuff. Idea. And, and, <laughs> and they don't care while they're doing it. Right? I know. They yeah. Just don't care, they're like, so. oh, and it's quiet. And you're like, what is going on? Right. <laughs> so those brand new moms and dads out there, if you've got your infant or your toddler, you're fixing to give that child a bath and everything, get all of your stuff together um, so it's close by before you start running that bath water. Never leave your child alone in the bathroom or in the bathtub because they can drown quickly and in just a couple of inches of water. It doesn't take much. You mm -hmm. never leave them unattended. So if the phone's ringing or Let it ring. if something's on the TV that you got to see, man, get your kid with the towel and go out there and go, go do your business. Take your kid with you everywhere. So you never want to leave them alone. Mm -hmm. um, if you're really big into cleaning your house with when you have toddlers, you really don't have a whole lot of time. You're too busy chasing them, right? <laughs> the house doesn't have to be clean. It doesn't have to be clean. But if you got a mop bucket or something, empty that mop bucket right away. Mm -hmm. You turn your head right. Those kids can just, like I said, head first. They got those giant heavy heads. Mm -hmm. So they go head first. So you want to empty those mop buckets out. Um, also get into the... Um, in the mode of educating uh, your friends and your families about kids in the area and being water safety safe. Um, keep those backyard fences closed if you do have a pool. Okay, Kids are very attracted to, to the water, to the pools. They see something floating around in it, like somebody left their toys in the pool. Or they, a float. They'll go right to it. Yeah. So they, they just go right to it, and down they go. And drowning, I know everybody thinks they see these movies where people are screaming, help, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. Drowning is quiet. Yeah, people don't shout and yell when they drown. They they go under and that's it. So drowning is quiet. So if you are in the house, um, make sure that your doors are shut. Make sure even the dog door is shut. Kids love going in and out of that dog door. Mm -hmm. If you're cleaning and all of a sudden it gets quiet, first thing, check the water, check your pool because seconds count when when there's a drowning involved. So yeah, wow, so, yeah, very that's, deep, heavy conversation. So and um, so we have a pool and we have our like a little ring on our on our door mm -hmm. so every time a door opens there's a ding ding yep. so we know if if it's not me opening the door and i it could be like 
the, my son or my husband, like I, I'm bolting towards the door. Cause uh, like, yeah. don't go outside or right. don't, don't go in the backyard. You're and if you are having there. a day at the pool and swimming and hanging out, man, don't leave the care of your child with another child that can't swim or thinks that they can swim. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, you're looking at, you know, a child watching a child that they don't have the same mentality we do. Uh, you can t- teach your kid all day long. Don't go near the pool, but they mm-hmm. just might. Yeah. You know, when they start getting older, tell them, start asking me for permission to get into the water, mm-hmm. you know, have them in the habit of asking for permission. So that way, you know, OK, even if you tell them no, that way you're you're, you're tuned in that, OK, they want to get in the water. They want to get close to the water, have yeah. a designated pool time. Yeah. Um, I've had other parents say that they're they have a rule for their house that no one is allowed to go outside in their pool by themselves, period. No, nobody should. Not even adults. Nobody should like swim alone. Um, especially adults that have been like drinking. That's all you need is a drunk adult in a pool by themselves. So we got some problems. So you have right, you can have all kinds of things. And, wow. You know when we when unfortunately when when it happens, we treat all these uh, patients, these drowning patients, like trauma patients because we don't know the mechanism. So we want to make sure we te- treat them as trauma patients when they come in. Okay. And I just looked at the clock, and holy moly, we have a minute and thirty seconds left. So. Ooh, which one do we want to talk about now? I which want to one? talk about dry drowning because I think that that's a big, that was a big social media thing a couple of years ago. And I think that it's important for parents to remember that that can happen too. So you want to talk about that real quick? Okay, real quick. Dry drowning and secondary drowning, they're not really technically medical terms, but they do point to another condition that has to oh, do with drowning. Dang. Right. So the dry drowning is when the water like gets into the throat and causes like a laryngospasm, that continuous coughing and stuff. And you're going to see that right away. The secondary drowning normally happens happens in salt water that salt water enters the lungs it gets into the actual airway later on those lungs kind of uh, they form an edema they get full up and then um, then you've got that secondary drowning so so are there signs and symptoms that someone should look for if we think that they swallowed some water too or are there absolutely things that they need to look any for? kind of excessive coughing the chest pain uh, if they have trouble breathing that just won't stop and if they have that really weak and tired feeling you know that means they may have some low oxygenation going on there so go ahead and get them checked out so is everybody prone to that or any specific uh, everybody is prone to it i mean yeah if you get water in your mouth and it goes into your throat the, l- the laryngospasms can in the throat can um, get irritated and start that, mm-hmm. what they call dry drowning. Yeah. Or if they inhale a bunch of water. Inhale and, a bunch of water, right. It and doesn't then they're actually like, they enter act like the they're lungs. fine. And yeah. then later, uh, uh, the, the story that I was reading was there was like a, uh, I think an 18 month old that fell into like the kiddie part of the pool mm-hmm. and was face down for a few minutes, got the kid up, and the kid was fine. They cleared the airway and, then and everything. Later that night, the, the kid just went downhill yeah, super they just fast. Start and they didn't really know what mm-hmm. was going on. And then all of a sudden, Right, and that would be part of that like secondary drowning is where the water actually got into the lungs and it causes the edema and the lungs swell up. Wow. So okay, anything else tips wise? Any preventative measures on that? I'm sorry. Any prevention uh, for the dry drowning? Again, well, no. Again, watch your kids Um, for the dry drowning. If they do like fall into the pool and they start that coughing and hacking and then it just doesn't stop and they get that tired, persistent feeling like I'm real tired, I don't feel good. Go ahead and get them checked out because they could have some kind of like a airway obstruction so get them checked out but most of all just be safe around the water watch your kids with the water wear life jackets always wear life jackets there's a difference between life jackets and flotational devices life jackets save the lives floaties are just that they're recreational 
that's all they're there for is just to play with. So. What about the one that has the front and then the f- If it's approved sides. by, like, say, the U.S. Coast Guard or any other kind of life type, you know, oh. approval seal or whatever, it would be a life-saving device. A lot of these devices tell you this is either just a flotational device for entertainment only or this is a life-saving device. That's good to know. Yes. Mm-hmm. All yes. right. Any other tips before we go? Um, learn how to swim, man. Take those yeah. lessons and learn how to swim. Teach your children how to swim. Take your kids to the place to go get learn how to swim so they can learn how to like at least turn over in the water. And uh, float. And float and get their head above the water. How to get out of the pool without a ladder. Um, how to swim um, maybe the length of the pool once they get older. Also mm-hmm. how to get to a part of the shallow part of the pool. So, And those are not like to take the place of you watching your kid but yeah, it's just right. like for you know a, um like an immediate emergency okay so. awesome all right thank you stacy for thank sharing you. all those tips for us you guys come uh next week next tuesday at four o'clock we're going to be interviewing dr neely she's a pediatrician we're going to be talking about kids and next week is also nurses week so we're going to have okay. some awesome nurses in here to share their stories too so y'all don't miss it come back next week next tuesday at four o'clock Want to know more about today's show? Go to VinylDraftRadio.com. Click on links and guests or email info at barmc.us.